Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey, welcome back to The Mining Pod. On today's show, we're doing our final takeover episode. We did four of these shows back in the fall, and you can listen to the rest on The Mining Podcast feed. Of course, Taylor and Mark are going to be taking over this episode and interviewing Chad Everett Harris, formerly of Riot Platforms, to talk about the genesis of Bitcoin for him, his time at Riot Platforms, and then what he's doing now with H3 Data Solutions. We'd like to thank CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner, for making this show possible, and also Foreman Mining for sponsoring the takeover episodes. You'll hear a little bit from both later on in the episode. Okay, onto the show. All right. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Mining Pod Takeover Edition. Uh, this is Taylor Monick, Senior Vice President of Mining over at CleanSpark. I'm joined with my co-host, Mark Fresca from ASIC.co. And today we have a very special guest, the man, the myth, the legend, Chad Harris. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I'm pretty excited to be here. You know, the, the return of Giga Chad just happened here February 1st, right? The return of Giga Chad. Yeah, so it's been over a year since you've kind of been in the space, you were very vocal, created some very fun content that made you very uh, well known in the industry, amongst other things. But we're going to start off with some fun questions that we'd like to start with our guests and then really get into who you are and, you know, how things came about. But, you know, one thing we like to start with is what was your orange bill moment? What got you into Bitcoin and eventually into to Bitcoin mining? You know, I probably have the most, you know, mine's probably very similar to a lot of other people. Um I had a uh, a bank that I had a long relationship with over 20 years uh, seize my bank account because of a because I decided to close a retail store and it violated a loan document and I was furious and like took all the dollars I had I'd never missed a payment with them been a great customer and they're like your business model changed and I went literally to my youngest son who a lot of people know Ashton Harris who currently works for Riot uh, Platform. And I said to him, I was like, tell me about Bitcoin. You know, you were buying this stuff when you were 12. Tell me about Bitcoin. Could somebody do this? And he's like, no. I was like, then I want to know everything about it. And literally it like, and it was like seconds. It took me seconds to figure it out. It was pretty interesting. So your son has been buying Bitcoin since he was 12. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I don't think yeah. that's a lot the thing that a lot of people can say. So what 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 led Ashton to it? What kind of grabbed his interest as a young short girl you know, to he, be looking he at always talks about he always talks about it differently than I talk about it. And and it was he was so intrigued that he could, you know, at, at 12, 13, 14 years old, take take something and buy it on the internet. And it wasn't a credit card. And he was, there was some platform back then that you could trade. You could say, I want to buy this. And you would send them Bitcoin and they would buy it and he would get it. And so ultimately, we, we always kind of joke that he would always ask me for money. Say, hey, I want, can, you, can I have money so I can buy Bitcoin? I'm like, you're out of your mind. And he, then he'd say, like, hey, can I have some money so I can go to the store? And I'm like, sure, here's $20. And then it was like, the next day, hey, I want to go to the store, here's $20. I want to go to the store, here's $20. And then he'd take $100 and he'd go to, and I'd always say, the most dangerous convenience store that would sell a 12-year-old a money order. And he's like, no, 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 it wasn't the most dangerous. It was the second most dangerous one. It's like, let's be clear. It was like the second most. The other, the real dangerous one was in Girt Town. I went to Pigeon Town to get it, right? In New Orleans. And he would literally buy Bitcoin. And he just learned how to like transactionally make it work. And you got to understand this kid was learning how to do networking at, you know, 11 and 12 years old off of YouTube. And so his mind thought like that. And so it was really interesting to watch it kind of evolve. And then, you know, he'd get real quiet about it. And then he's, you know, I think he, what, he paid $150 for a pair of alpaca socks. You know, he, he spent when he like was 16, he used Bitcoin and bought a tune for his um, S4, you know, his S4. And back then he was like, oh yeah, you know, I spent $800 on it. And then I think like the next year he's like, I could have bought the car three times. Right. Like whatever the value is that he had in Bitcoin. So it's really interesting. He's, he's, he was the one that kind of, drove me to it and then my my mind of like scalability put it to play so so after you got orange pilled um what were you doing um at that time and then like what were you working on up until you you fell into the mining industry so i've always been you know a lot of people like there's like a an article out there in forbes and it talks about like you know christmas tree guy right christmas christmas tree guy i've always been somebody that built a system to make something work and when i use the word system um you know i've been an online retailers from 2005 to 2015 and owned a, a large landscaping company and did large commercial installations that built golf courses you know landscape cities crazy stuff and but I always like put systems in place. And, and the reason why the Christmas tree component is so important is because if, if you ever thought that you could deliver 2000 Christmas trees in 10 days with hand strung lights on them to people in homes and they're placed in their homes, you, you have to have a system. You have to have a procedure. You have to have like all like tracking. You have to use like, you know, analytics of data, like and putting all this stuff together. And now I want you to go back. 10 years and then go, there wasn't something that did all of this. You know, there wasn't like an easy application. And so we were integrating like Google maps with other programs and we were downloading files and we were creating the system that actually um, made us really efficient. And we, you know, you, again, you have to imagine we're delivering 200 trees a day and they're going in people's homes. So you had to take them out of the truck, put them in the house, turn the lights on, all these things, solve the problems. And so because of that, my mind just thinks that way. And so when you kind of like think about doing that and then building a Bitcoin mining facility and go, 
Hey, nobody's built one, a building that's a thousand feet long. Why? Hey, you know, how can you build one taller and build racks? Hey, how can you get rid of the heat? Build a chimney, how, like all these things. And so a group of us got together and just said, Hey, what are the problems you have to solve? And why hasn't everybody tried this? Well, nobody had tried it before. And we were like, well, hell, if you haven't tried it before, well, let's go break it. And we broke a bunch of stuff. Look, I blew transformers off of pads. I caught tran- dry, dry transformers on fire in a building that I own, like crazy stuff. But by doing those things, like we, we figured out how to solve the problems, getting electrocuted by PDUs, you know, all the good stuff. And that's where like the safety and breakers came in. Like, I don't know if you guys, anybody ever bought a Raptor PDU back in like 2018, but there was no protection where your, your wiring attached to the PDU and you have to put your hand back there to press a fuse when it tripped and you literally would get electrocuted. Like there, there was no doubt because you're like, man, God, is it on the right hand side or the left hand side of where I just put my hand, you know, and every once in a while you get jolted and you're like, oh yeah, no, it's definitely on the right side, you know? And so it's, it's those kind of things that kind of led us to, you know, figuring out the Rubik's cube of like building scale. Well, yeah, I think this this is getting into a fun part. So you went from online retailing, went into to Christmas, let's call it Christmas tree manufacturing, large scale landscaping, right? You get orange pilled by your son. You start looking into the business stuff. Kind of in detail, talk to us about like your road to Riot. I don't think a lot of people know about that facility pre-Riot, right? Like there, it was changed hands, it was built X, Y, and Z. Can you give us a little bit of a detail from what you were just talking about then to like where it became your involvement with Riot and that whole progression? Yeah, so it was real, in- I mean, like for me, it was real interesting as like, you know, and back then, like, you know, to buy, to buy something from Bitmain, you know, you could only buy it with Bitcoin, right? You could only buy a machine, an S9 with Bitcoin back then. And so my other son, like we would go and like, we would get Coinbase accounts, multiple Coinbase accounts. We'd be buying Bitcoin like every day as much as we could so that we could then go buy machines. And so friends were doing it, like, you know, there are three or four of us that were all doing the same thing to get machines in. And it literally was like, you know, if you really want to talk about the orange pill, the orange pill was, I had a national bank create a problem that wasn't necessary. But what really hit me was when we plugged in the first miner and the next day Ashton comes to me and he was like, I was like, hey, how much did that thing make? And he's like, $55. I'm like, what did you just say? He goes, $55. And I looked at it and I was like, it didn't talk to me. Then the next day, two machines showed up and it's like, oh, now we're making, you know, $160 a day. And I'm like, and then then nobody's talking to me still, you know? And then so 10 more machines come and then we have 33 machines and we have 66 machines and we have a hundred machines. And it's like every day, you know, as life goes on, like we're getting more machines and more machines. And I just kept commenting to myself. I was like, nobody's talking to me. Right. Like, and I know that sounds interesting, but you know, I had 70 employees and they always talked to me and they always had a problem and they always didn't come to work and there was always an issue, you know? And so I kept looking at the machines and saying, they don't talk to me. The only time they talk to me is there's a red light or a green light. So I'd walk in the room and I was like, where are the red lights? Right. And I'd see the red light and I'd be like, okay, that machine's talking to me. Let's fix it. And I became so fascinated that, that it was such an easy business in my mind to grow because it, it required people, but it only required people to a certain extent. And giving people background, like where, where are these machines going? Are you hosting them? Is this in like a local office? Give us some details. So at one point we had about 33 machines in my office 
and it was about 110 degrees in there and it was loud. And, you know, I had had these three, had these three, three people that worked for me that kind of ran a, ran phone calls that would come in from online. And they were, they were like, listen, we can't hear, we can't, it's hot. And I'm like, I don't care. They're like, it's so noisy. I'm like, shut your door. They're like put headphones on whatever you got to do. They don't talk to me. And I love those machines. I'm like, I love you guys, but not like those machines. And then like slowly over time, like the more machines that would get there, they started saying, yeah, nobody talk. That's the machines are doing all the work. Cause they, they started to see it. You know, and it was real, real interesting. But I remember one day Lyle was sitting in my office because, you know, the Lyle story is real interesting. Like he shows up in my office one day about something totally unrelated and we hit it off. And he's like, what the hell is that noise? And I walk him in the room and I open it up and it's all dark and he sees the, the, the flickering green lights. And he's like, what kind of scam are you running here? Like what? Literally, he's like, what kind of scam you running here? And he comes back the next day. And I had two desks in my office and he clears off one of them, sits on the other side of me with his laptop. And he's like, I'm not leaving here. I'm just going to sit here and listen and follow whatever you do. And literally it was hysterical. And like, he didn't leave. And then he started, you know, Lyle has a great mind. And then he started going, Hey, why don't we build a rack to the roof? And I'm like, you're insane. And he goes and he gets two by fours and he comes back from Home Depot. We literally built a box and ran it to the ceiling and put S9s and bolted power panels to wood. And it literally was a fire hazard and it was the greatest thing ever, right? Because we figured out how to get rid of pressure problems, all these things. And we were doing all of this inside of a building that I didn't own. We were cutting holes in roofs and it was like... And we'd all kind of look at one another. He's like, well, we just fixed the roof. Yeah, it's just a 20-foot hole. It's no big deal, right? It's just a 20-foot hole in the top of the roof. And we're just running out of that. And I remember the day, like, the landlord was like, what in the hell do you guys have going on here? And and then I would show him. And he's like, oh, that's really cool. And he would forget that that the thing went through the top of his roof, right? Because he became so interested in how what, what we were up to. And even it, it was just that time, that time was so... It was, it was how Winstone was born. That's how Rockdale happened. It was the, the, the crazy figuring out like pad mount transformers catching on fire, dry transformers inside the building catching on fire, tripping buildings, you know, convincing energy to give us more power, having energy come in and, and, and throw a fit because they couldn't figure out that we were the ones using all the power in some building because they didn't split the meters up. It was literally how we transformed a silly idea on two by fours into what became Windstone. In the competitive world of Bitcoin mining, one name stands out, CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner. At CleanSpark, efficiency isn't just a goal, it's our standard. Our sophisticated facilities are built and led by expert teams who care about Bitcoin and the communities we work in. Scale, we've mastered it. Our large-scale operations have set us apart in the industry as examples of community-oriented building. Our track record speaks for itself. We navigate the complexities of the new economy with precision and with skill, continuously achieving operational milestones. 
curious about how we do it? We invite you to discover the story behind CleanSpark's success at cleanspark.com. Talk to us, like, what was the cutoff? You guys hit 100 machines, 200 machines. It sounds like you're in a typical office building, very similar story to a lot of us miners, right? Just you buy one, you buy two, and then it just starts scaling and it gets crazy. But you have a very particular interesting story. You went from typical office building to building one of, if not the largest mining facilities in the in the world, right? Winstone is absolutely massive. It's a beautiful facility. Walk us through the progression of leaving that office building to assembling, you know, you, Lyle, I know there's like a trio of guys there that are, you, you're very passionate about. I've heard you speak about. Walk us through leaving that office building to like getting the keys to the, let's call it the dirt at Winstone and starting that process. So I don't think a lot of people have heard that. And it's a very unique story. It, it is. And so, so we got up to 625 S9s in this building. And, and so if you can imagine, we had 625 S9s running in this building. And there was a right outside of this room that we had all these machines in was a 12,000 square foot CrossFit gym. And, and that was kind of Lyle's thing. And so the problem was it was awesome during the winter because it was like 85 degrees in there, you know, and it's like big bay doors, huge high ceilings. But the problem that we ran into is the minute that the cold weather went away, it'd be 120 degrees in there. And people would be like, God, it's really hot in here. And I'd be like, shut your mouth. They're like, I know it's those machines. And I'm like, shut your mouth. The only reason why you're allowed to work out here is because those machines are running in there. And so eventually what happens is, is that Bitmain hosted an event, a conference in Tbilisi, Georgia. And, and at this point, we have net effectively run out of cash, right? You know, we're mining Bitcoin. You know, we built the infrastructure. We put in a, a megawatt transformer in front of this building and and we changed all of its electrical so we could run these 625 machines and there's this this um bit main event in tbilisi georgia and i'm like well three of us can't go like literally three of us can't go we can't afford it so you two go and and what was kind of funny about the you you two go is that when they went one a it was a wednesday they decided to go to tbilisi georgia the event started on thursday they had no tickets they had no plane tickets they had no place to stay and they literally just like bought tickets and and flew to georgia they get there and and they were like oh like they get themselves into the event and they really they're just sitting at the bar they're both exhausted and and this and i hadn't heard from them and they tell me they meet meet this guy and, and they start showing them like the pictures of our chimney and all these things. And it's like, oh, that's really interesting. I want to introduce you to, you know, this other person, which happened to end up being um, somebody from GMO. So GMO Internet became our first customer. And but the best part about the whole story is there's two components. I still don't I haven't heard from these guys. I shoot them a text message and it's like 730 in the morning and I get a text and it's it's from Lyle and it's like. Uh, don't check the debit card. Uh, we got thrown out of a strip club. We're currently in, it's pouring down rain. We're currently in a taxi blasting Tupac and the driver's drifting. It's the greatest time of our lives, right? It was like one of the best text messages ever. So then I respond back. Awesome. I can't wait to hear. I don't hear anything again. And then my phone rings and it's like, now it's like Monday. My phone rings and it's Lyle. And he's like, hey, man, uh, we got a serious problem here. I was like, Lyle, there's no problems. And he's like, no, no, this is a real problem. And uh, I was like, what? And he's like, Ashton just went to jail. 
And I was like, Ashley just went to jail. He's like, yeah, we were, we were at the airport. We were leaving. And, uh, Ashton, you remember that, that bag you told him not to take? Yeah. His gun bag. Yeah. Remember the bag you told him not to take? Well, he put all his crap in that gun bag. I was like, yeah. And he's like, uh, they found a nine millimeter bullet in the gun bag. And so, you know, Ashton now, uh, and Lyle's like, what do I do? I was like, you get on the plane, man. I don't need two of you there. Like Ashton will figure out what to do. He's a grown up now, like grown ups that go to jail in Tbilisi, Georgia, you know, they're smart enough to figure out what they have to do with themselves. And so obviously, you know, Ashton goes to jail, you know, and, and kind of the funny story behind it is like, what do I do? They leave us because his phone is on. I ping his phone. I figured out the address. I call the police station and they, over the loudspeaker, they're like, you know, Ashton Harris. And he's thinking he's going to talk to the embassy. And uh, he's like, it's either the embassy or it's Chad Harris. Cause he's, he's the only dude that would be able to track me down in Tbilisi, Georgia. I get on the phone. He's like, yeah. So it looks like taking my passport. I'm going to be here for at least five days. I showed them my Snapchat to prove that it was my gun bag that was at the gun range with the nine millimeter. And it's, you're allowed to have that. So Ashton eventually comes back to the U.S. And so the story begins. Then GMO as a customer comes to the United States and comes to my office and sees this chimney thing and says, hey, we've been all over the place and, and we've noticed that nobody's done this. Maybe you can build this for us. So we went from one megawatt at my office to then about five or eight megawatts in a warehouse up the road and kind of proved our whole theory. That's where if you've ever seen the original photographs or you've ever been to Winstone and you saw the first metal shelving that we all built by hand out of Unistrut, that's kind of where we developed that system. So we, we put a system in place, we, you know, cutters, pneumatic cutters, all these things. And we made, built a little manufacturing plant and put up five megawatts, five or six megawatts. And, and so as that time goes on, we realize that, you know, our customer wants like a hundred and there's no way in Louisiana it's going to happen. And so, um, we find Huddle Ranch, right? Good old Huddle Ranch in, in Pecos, Texas. And we're negotiating to purchase Huddle Ranch. And on July 8th, I think it was on 2019, uh, you know, we were supposed to send like the deposit. We get a letter and it's like, yep, nope, we decided to sell it to somebody else. So obviously they sold it to somebody else. And I was furious and uh, basically got on a plane and flew to Texas and found Alcoa. And it was because I read an article about Bitmain not fulfilling the job requirements, not any of those things. So what happens, I just show up. I'm like, I want to go meet those guys. And the people are like, oh no, it takes three weeks to get an appointment. I was like, well, I'm going anyway. And so we just pestered them and we just stayed the course and we just worked at it. And there were so many barriers that we had to solve that, that no company, like no public company could ever do it. Like, you know, we needed, we needed a Moody's rated customer. I mean, we needed a Moody rated, Moody's rated guarantor. And we had to ask our customer. We had to go to our customer and said, Hey, you guys are a billion dollar company in Japan. You're going to have to guarantee this lease. And to do that, we had to sign our lives away to them. And that's, you know, that's part of the deal. And I don't, and the reason why I say most, most companies couldn't do it today because they wouldn't, the, they would do that risk assessment and say, this is too risky. And, and so the interesting part is that, so we have to go raise the money. 
the part of the deal is our customer says, we'll let you, we'll help you get to Texas. We'll build this thing. We'll fund it, all these things, but you got to get yourself there. And so right about that time, just, just before that time in that summer of 2019, Bitcoin was like, you know, three, five, six thousand, seven thousand dollars. It was fluctuating. And there was that brief moment where it went to like eleven or fourteen thousand dollars. And we were mining Bitcoin and that Bitcoin number hit the right amount and it like tripled overnight because we needed a million dollars to get to to get to Texas. And literally like we got really close to that number and and we were sitting there the next day and I was asking Ashton, I was like, man, we just need, we just need like 350,000 more dollars. And he's like, oh, well, I have this BSV. I just didn't tell you all about it. I didn't want, I didn't want to tell you all about it because you're going to take it from me. And I was like, we're, we're not going to take it from you. I was like, I'm going to cut your hands off right now. If, if you got fingerprints, whatever it is, I'm going to cut your hands off and use them. Go get you, go get that money right now. And, and the funny story behind Ashton and that BSV is that, you know, so it's, it's at like, Three or four hundred or five hundred, whatever the number was, and we and he sells it, and he's like, "Okay, here's the money. Here's here's I'm contributing. Here's the money." And then I think the next day it went up even higher, and he just was furious, and he's like, "I want you to write me an agreement right now that you're going to give me back that exact amount of BSV." I was like, "Do you want the money or do you want the BSV?" He's like, "I don't care what the money is. I want whatever the number was, you know, three hundred or five hundred BSV on this day." And I was like. Okay, but you know it could go to zero, and you would get zero. I don't care. It's the principle of the thing, and it just it it, it kind of goes to show you that we did such unusual things to get ourselves to Texas. You know, we had such 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 difficult like deals that we had to put together, and 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 so our customer GMO says. If you can go raise the money, we'll sign your contract. So we go out on, on, on the bandwagon of raising money. And ultimately, we get a, a signed term sheet from a really big group out of New York. And we deliver it to our customer. And the customer looks at it and says, oh, okay, we'll loan you the money now. Now that we see you could go get it, we'll actually loan you the money, but under our terms. And it was like, basically, our terms are, um, if you screw up, you owe us. If you fail, you owe us. If you don't do what we say, you owe us. And oh, by the way, we're going to put eight people in your office and they're going to watch you 24 hours a day. And I was like, oh, okay, that, that seems fair and reasonable. And they're like, oh yeah, Chad, you're also going to sign this piece of paper that says, if you screw up, you personally owe us the money. And I was like, no problem. I signed it. And everyone's like, you signed that? I was like, dude, if I owe somebody like $40 million, like, they, like what are they going to do? Like, and then I started thinking to myself, I was like, oh, they're going to send the Yakuza after me. I was like, hmm, I need to go get a tattoo on my chest of like the Yakuza. So I know what, when they would come in the doors to storm to come and get me, I could rip my shirt open and said, I'm one of you, right? Like we joked about it openly at work. We're like, that's what I'm just going to do. And so it was great because we developed a very strong relationship with that customer. And to this day, you know, I, I still say, you know, whatever's going on, I, I really don't know what's going on with that customer and Riot today. Um, but the the key ingredient that I think a lot of people miss along the way, along these great stories and the things that go on in life, is that loyalty 
it's loyalty that builds those relationships. And, and in business today, so many people forget, like they get so blindsided by like aspirations of greatness, or they think they're like these wizards, right? And really what it was, it was those first three or four relationships that put them where they are today, you know? And it's, and that's, that's the big thing that I see that people, people miss along the way. They just, they really make some silly mistakes and they forget about loyalty. And I know, I know Taylor, you've had those same things happen personally to you. It's like, Hey man, in the trenches, when the bullets are flying and we're drowning and we dug ourselves out of it, you have to remember that. And then usually what happens is somebody forgets that how they got to where they are and the reality goes away. But probably the most important component of, of us getting to Texas, it wasn't getting getting our customer to sign the Alcoa lease as a guarantor. It wasn't raising the money. It wasn't any of those things. It was one simple phone call that took place um, on, on about noon on a Friday. And it was the only phone call that actually made our customer agree to go. And we had to have a letter or a document from Encore saying they would allow us to have an interconnect. And up until that point, I'll be real candid with you. I had no idea the difficulty of an interconnect when I started down that process. And now, you know, today in Ericot, it's like two years, right? And I'm like, interconnect, we should be able to get one of those in 30 days. People are like, no, 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 no it doesn't work that way. It's like, it's going to work that way. And they're like, that doesn't happen that way. It's like, you know, and my friends at Priority Power are like, Chad, you're, 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 you're dreaming. It doesn't work that way. I was like, okay, well, two months. And they're like, no, 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 no. it's gonna be like eight months. I'm like, Eight months isn't going to work. I don't accept that as an answer. And so, you know, I had to have this document. And, and I had called everybody. I'd called the governor's office. I'd called every congressman. I called the senators. I called nobody could help me. And I had kind of come down to, I called the 800 number. I called Encore's 800 number. And I got some little girl on the phone. And I just started telling her my stories. Like, hey, listen, man, there's four guys from, from, New Orleans and like we've put everything we have into this and and we're borrowing money and we're gonna go create these jobs and we're gonna do all these things and I need this guy to call me Rob. I need Rob to call me. Like here's here's all his information. He works at Encore. I can 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 you call me? Can you do something? Can anything happen? And uh, you know, she's like, Okay, well, I'll see what I can do. She know, thank you for calling. You know, there's a recording at the end of this call, like let us know how my survey was, right? So I get off, I get off the call and I'm like, Oh man. And Lyle's sitting in my office and it's like, it's like 11 o'clock. And, and I'm like, Lyle, let's go to Chipotle because Lyle and I ultimately met at a Chipotle over an $8 burrito. So we're sitting there, we go to Chipotle and we're driving there. I was like, man, look, this has been so much fun. Let's start thinking about what we're going to do next. Cause I don't think this is going to happen. And he's like, yeah, it's like, man, this is just crazy to think that we figured all this stuff out. We got so far, we raised the money, we have a customer, we have all these things. I was like, yeah, we just need this stupid letter from Encore. So we're sitting there, we eat the burrito, we're ordering, actually, we're going through line. And we kind of both jokers like, oh, yeah, no, we're not going to get guac today because it's extra, right? And uh, we're like, you know, we're we're not going to spare any extra dollars today because we think we're about to be broke. And literally, I get a text message right when I finish, we're walking to this truck. And it says, go check your email. And I'm like, Lyle, I think I'm going to throw up. So you just got to, I'm not going to check it till I get to the office. And I sit down, I open up my computer and there's literally the, the, literally the letter that we needed is in my inbox. 
And I literally was like, you have got to be shitting me, right? Like, I can't believe it's come all the way down to, and I had to have it by 5 p.m. And it's like 1238. And I'm like, I can't believe this has happened. And it, and, and so when you think about, you know, all those times in life when nothing, like every barrier that you have to overcome, absolutely going from New Orleans, Louisiana and dealing with energy of Louisiana, like the worst electrical utility on the planet, the most difficult to landing in Rockdale, Texas, figuring out all these things you had no idea you had to accomplish. And it all comes down to calling Mary at 930 in the morning on an 800 number and Mary calls somebody and we finally get the letter we needed saying, hey, you can you can have the interconnect, but you got to post $1.8 million and all those things. And I was like, I, I scanned over all those words. I didn't even care what those numbers were. Like we can figure that out. It's just money. And, and to think that's what it comes down to. And then, then <laughs> the best part is, so Lyle and I pack up. I just leave. I just go to Texas. I'm like, I'm not coming back. And we're standing out there and he looks at me and we're, we're standing and, and there's huge green field and we're standing there and he looks at me and he's like, Hey man, this is a forest. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, um, did you know it was a forest? Like, Actually, well, I've never been here before. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, yeah. We were going to go next door into the old Bitmain building. We were trying to get a, a lease from Bitmain to use their building. He's like, I've never been over here. They just showed it to me on the map and said, here's a hundred acres. We'll let you lease. And I was like, huh? And he's like, um, so what, how do we have enough money to do this? I'm like, wow, we don't have enough money to finish this thing, but we got to clear the trees first. So we got the money to clear the trees. And he just looked at me and was like, yeah, I'm just going to stay out of you getting money and I'll just start building the thing. And it really, like when you think about it, we showed up in Rocktail, Texas. We needed like $58 million. We had 24. And and I was like, we'll, we'll figure it out along the way. And ultimately, how we figured it out along the way is that we found the best people, found the best vendors. We got people to believe in us. They loved our story. They love, because it wasn't a story of fabrication. It was a story of like four guys, David Schatz, Lyle Terrio, Ashton Harris, and Chad Harris show up in Texas and say, we're going to go build the world's largest and nobody is going to believe that we're going to be able to do it. And we're going to do it lightning speed, which, you know, when you think about it, lightning speed, we built a 300 megawatt interconnect, a 300 megawatt substation. Uh, the first building, which was about 60,000, 62,000 square feet. And half of the second building was up in under 183 days. And this is really the start of riots. We technically need to thank Mary for starting both Winstone and riot. So shout out to Mary. Yeah, that's think- literally <laughs> like, the start. you know, like when you really think about it, like if you go all the way back to the really to the core of it, you really have to thank Ashton. Right. Like if you really if you really break this all down, you think about it as like Ashton was always a kid in tech. Ashton was always interested in things that he couldn't learn in school. And, you know, he's the one who's like, yeah, man, this Bitcoin thing's a real thing. You know, he'd always be like, this Bitcoin thing's a real thing. And if you think all the way back to that, and then you think to Mary at Encore, and you think to, you know, all the people that helped us along the way, and you know, H and K, um, uh, Ivan Zales from, you know, the utility contractors, John Beck from Priority Power. I mean, I owe it all to John. 
I met John in, in Pecos, Texas, and he handed me a spreadsheet. I looked at that spreadsheet and I was like, oh, I see how you have a power strategy. Like if you think about all the money that was made in power sales, that was that that all was driven from a meeting of John Bick in May of 2019. I mean, a meeting of John Bick in May of 2019 in Pecos, Texas, on the side of the road with uh, crazy boy Gideon, you know, my boy Gideon in his Republic of Texas belt buckle. When he hopped out of this stretch limo, I thought he's just lost his mind. If you think that John Bick handed me a spreadsheet and I literally looked at it and I said, oh, I can see how you can build a power strategy. And literally that power strategy is probably delivered in Rockdale gross of $225 million. All so because- we're, jump- we're jumping ahead here a little bit, right? I so know, I, wanna- I know, man. Going I- through deal. You've now got multiple hundred megawatts. You guys are clearing trees. We got four guys. And this is kind of what I wanted to highlight in this journey yeah. before we get into what you're doing next, right? So we started with four people in Louisiana, 600 miners. Now we've got a site in Texas. It's already getting large. It, in the short version, walk us through this moment into turning into Riot, one of the largest public miners, you know, in the space. Even now, I think ranked, you know, third, fourth in market cap, whatever it is, right? Four people to, to publicly traded entity growing to, I believe that site's 700 megs or whatever it is. Give us a short story of that. And then I really want to focus on the back half of the show. Me and Mark want to talk to you about what you're doing in the future and what's gone on this last year. So just on, on the short side, give us from where we are at on the story to public Riot. So, you know, we build this, we, we win stone, um, get sold in right when we get to Texas, right? We're raising money and we had to sell it. And so it gets sold to a company in Germany. And the whole idea was they were going to ship over $300 million, allow us to build the whole facility, you know, put enough capital into the facility so it could be built. Those plans didn't go as expected, you know, you know, the, in hindsight, that's how things work. And so four guys, basically we moved into one house together. We lived like, you know, we called it the animal house because we had six dogs between the four of us. And we just literally, the only thing we did was work and go back to that house. And we, if we had a problem, we settled it around the kitchen table before we went to work the next day. Like, it's always like, we are real clear. It's like, hey, we can't be mad at one another. One, we live together. Two, the only way we can be successful is if we, if we collectively work together to, to solve these problems. So one day, um, Matt Carson comes to the site. You know Matt, right? Everyone knows Matt Carson. And, and, and it's interesting because... So Matt comes to the site, brings... Uh, the two people from Riot and their banker. And maybe there was a fourth person, I can't remember. But Adam Sullivan, from who's the CEO of Core, he was at, with XMS. And then um, the CEO, CFO at the time, and then their C, I don't know, maybe it was the COO at the time as well. And so they come in and they're talking to us about building a 100 megawatt facility for them. They're like, hey, could you build us 100 megawatts? And I was like, oh, actually, we could, if you wanted your own site, we could do it right behind here. You know, I've, I've been negotiating, trying to get some more land. So you could do it and all, and you could do it right there. And I remember when Adam was leaving and I looked at him, I was like, you know what though? You guys should buy this place. And, and here's how you do it. Literally, I was like, 
you can buy this place and here's how you do it. I was confident that Northern Data had had enough of the four cowboys in, in Texas, right? Like we were a pain in the ass. You know, we were constantly on the phone like, hey, man, you said you were going to send us $300 million and you sent us like 50 cents of Coke and a, and a, and a empty wrapper from a Twinkies bar, right? Like you, you're not sending us the money we need. And you're talking like we're figuring out things. We're recycling every piece of metal. We're recycling cardboard, recycling wood. We're recycling everything to make payroll. We're like we're and it's and actually it's an adventure for us and we really enjoy it. But we're doing all these things to be resourceful. And we can't get the company that bought us to do what they said. So it's like, hey, Riot, you should buy this company. And here's why. And I kind of outlined like, hey, here's this power strategy that would be, which is more important than mining Bitcoin. And I know that sounds funny when I say that is like, because it's unrecognized revenue. Oh, and by the way, we were the first ones to be certified as a data center. We were the first ones to be controlled load response. We're the first ones of all these categories because nobody had done it yet. And so we had to go figure out how to do it. Oh, we have tax abatements. We have all these real special things that drives our costs down. And so when you kind of think about the groundwork that was laid from Ashton being 12 years old to telling me about Bitcoin can't be taken from you to then landing in Rockdale, Texas and Riot walking in and being able to show them that, well, the only other problem is that then you had to convince the German company to sell the thing you know, which was an undertaking. And it kind of was, there was a moment in time where I just was like, and, and I look back at it now and, and it was January 6th of 2021. And I made a decision that I look back at it today and I wonder if I made the right one. And I had another opportunity to leave in January that I'd been working on. I'd been working on it since that October of 2020. And, uh, I, the decision was, um, was I going to leave and go build another facility? I had a backer, I had somebody who was going to pay, you know, Dave and I were going to leave Ashton and Lyle were going to stay because I had work contracts. Dave and I didn't. So we were going to leave and go build what today is known as the Rhodium temple site that actually was put together. Like I put that deal together originally. And then in January um, of 2021, I like said, Hey, you know, we just kind of, the four of us sat down and said, what do you think the best thing for us? And then I kind of thought about the 120 employees we had at the time. And I was like, well, I think if, if, if we leave and this deal doesn't go through, these people are going to lose their jobs. I ultimately would think because I didn't think that Northern Data guys would run this business effectively. And so like the decision-making process was, hey, we promised these people jobs. We promised the town we would do these things. If we walk away now, we're real, right? Like, and that's like one thing about me is that, you know, anybody that interacts with me knows it's like, I cut to the chase. I tell you like it is. And if I tell you I'm coming on Tuesday, I'm coming on Tuesday. There's no question that I'm going to show up. And so we, the four of us made the decision like, Hey, let's stick this riot thing out and let's see if we can, you know, help get this across the line. And so we work collectively um, to make sure that Northern data would sell the business to riot. And then we thought we were off to the races. And so then that kind of fast forwards it to, you know, you can read every press release. It'll tell you whatever information you want to know about. Um, and like you said, Lyle's not there anymore. I'm not there anymore. Dave and, and Ashton are still there. Hey, listeners, let's talk about revolutionizing your mining operation with Foreman. 
this isn't your average management tool. It's an all-in-one solution for reducing costs and significantly boosting your revenue. Foreman brings a cutting-edge dashboard to your fingertips, empowering you with automated energy strategies. This means not only curtailing around real-time prices, but also strategically enhancing your profit margins through demand response. It's about leveraging energy efficiency to its fullest potential. With Foreman, you get a system that scales with your business, inventory management for assets, infrastructure integration, and business intelligence. Foreman elevates the cash flow and production of your entire operation. To see how Foreman can redefine your mining operation standards, visit foreman.mn. With Foreman, you're not just managing a mining operation, you're setting a new standard in the industry. No, that's a, it's a really amazing story. I mean, it's like a, I love hearing uh, self-made people, right? Building into something as, as big as Riot. We'll definitely have to get Ashton on here. Sounds like yeah. he's uh, one of the technical minds. You know, one one thing that we've talked about a lot in this series is, you know, immersion and other forms of cooling. You know, you guys pulled the trigger very early in the ecosystem on over 200 megs. And I would assume you had a, you know, a big part in, in doing that along with Ashton and, and Lyle and everybody. You know, what was the driver for, for Riot to, I mean, I, I don't view it as a risk just because like I've worked in that industry and I know the benefits of it. But a lot of the outsiders would look at immersion as like a operational risk, especially in the time that you guys did. It was very early. What pushed you guys to do that? Because I mean, I, I look back on that as a pretty pivotal moment. Yeah, you know, it's it's that is a I think it's a great a great point, and and I think the the best way to describe it, and, and you know, I know that you know Lyle and I spent a lot of time talking about it, you know, as well as Ashton did, and it really just came down to, you know, you, you have to you have to solve the problem, right? Doesn't matter what the problem is. The, so the problem with you know Bitcoin mine is always like density, right? It's density. It's, you know, Hey, how can you keep the miners cool? And as the Watts and, and, and hash rates of these machines are increasing, they're becoming exponentially more difficult to cool. Right. And so now granted since then to today, you know, these machines are getting better, right. And they've, they've worked out a lot of the kinks and we're starting to see that in their efficiency. But the idea was like, Hey, we should just do it. Like, it, you know, the only way to do it is to break it. So let's just go do it. And so we did. We built a, a test system. The test system worked really well. Um, ultimately, looking back at that, I think in the test system, uh, I think the the pumps in the test system were probably the most optimal. And the pumps, when you, you know, you go lay out, you know, seven, eight hundred tanks, you know, per building. And you're like, oh, hey, maybe maybe we should have thought through the pumps differently, or maybe we should have, you know, thought about it differently. Um, and looking back, I think that that's probably like anybody that built something at scale. Cause when we built building one versus building two, building three, building four, building five, those first five buildings, we changed the efficiency of, we changed the efficiency. We changed the switch gear. We changed the breakers. We then started changing the way that we built and designed the shelving. And it was because it's like just the evolution. So if you think about the evolution and, you know, I really enjoyed like going and seeing other people that were building immersion for other things. Like, you know, I went to your former company and I looked at that and I was really intrigued by what they were doing, but I was actually more intrigued on the data center side than I was on the Bitcoin side because I was like, oh, that's the future. Like I, I was like, oh, that's the future. Like, and, and the only way the Bitcoin industry was going to get to the future was somebody had to start doing it. Like, why not just do it? And if it breaks, just fix it. 
and just improve it as it moves forward. And I think that's the big thing. That's the one, the one key takeaway that I learned from the Bitcoin industry was speed and scale, adaptability, and scrappiness. Speed and scale, adaptability, and scrappiness, right? You have to be scrappy enough to know that you have to make smart, fast decisions because of the speed of the industry to be able to build things that potentially might break and be smart enough to know how to fix them. Man, those are those are definitely really good points, Mark. So um, we've been seeing you making some posts on LinkedIn about stuff you're working on. What, what, what's the future looking like? That's a really, really interesting question. And so, you know, so for the last year, you know, if, if for the last year, if you think about it, I spent 9,000 miles riding my bicycle. And, and why that's an important thing is because any time that I couldn't solve a problem at in Rockdale, Texas, I would go get on my bicycle and I would go ride it. I would ride it until I could solve the problem because no one was talking to me. My phone wasn't ringing and I was just out like doing my own thing and I'd get in my own head and I'd think through what the problem is, what the solution is. And so I spent 9,000 miles. And if you've ever ridden a bicycle 9,000 miles in a year, it's a, it's a lot, right? I mean, you, you can do the math. It's a lot. And then during that time, I like tore my bicep doing something. And so I had to take two months off. And during that time, I just thought about, it was like, okay, what's the biggest problem What's the biggest problem in people that use lots of power? Okay, it's reliability. How do you solve that problem? Okay, well, you, you need a better interconnect. And I was like, well, then what's the next problem? The next problem is, well, the interconnect problem is, a, you know, there's a problem getting interconnects. Like, well, okay, then the next problem is, well, you know, two years ago, ESG was, you know, you were the devil if you didn't have some ESG Bible on your website. And, and you're like, okay, so I have to create a clean energy product. And then, so as you sit there and you kind of like, that was kind of the evolution over those miles. And then, you know, once I hit about September, I had had a, for, a, a formal idea planned out in my head. It was like, okay, I'm going to build natural gas generation. I'm going to build a carbon capture system. I'm going to capture that carbon and I'm going to sequester it, whether I'm going to turn it into food grade, whether I'm going to store it and sell it, or I'm going to take it and I'm going to put it down a class two. Well, and along the way, like I met a lot of people in all these various industries that are either trying to do it, had an idea, a patent, um, or, uh, you know, one of the big generation companies and or one of the big carbon capture companies. Everybody had a way, an idea or an example of how to do it, but nobody had actually put all the parts together. And so how Bitcoin goes back into this is the biggest problem in building generation and building data centers. So I, I, I'm, I'm strictly moving into the hyperscale world and, and, and you'll catch on to this in, in a minute is that Bitcoin is the greatest product. If you think about it as a service, right? And, and no one's doing this today. So as a service, and the reason why I use the word as a service is because you can build a power plant pretty quickly, but you can't build a, a power shell for a hyperscaler very quickly. They're very spe specific. It has all these requirements. It's, you know, it has to be specific. All these details go into it. So the difference between the time you can turn on power and the time you can turn on power in a data center can be up to two years. There could be this two year window 
18-month window, 12-month window. So then if you start thinking about modular data centers or modular Bitcoin facilities, and you take that modular system and you drop it smack dab in between the power generation and the power shell for the data center, and you can run a Bitcoin mining facility that one does a couple things. One, A, it uses the power. B, it then generates income. And so you immediately, if you have that business, if you're the owner of that business, that power segment of the business, if you're the owner of it, you are immediately able to start servicing debt faster. You're immediately able to start cash flow. You're immediately able to show that, hey, while my power contract for this hyperscaler doesn't kick in until month 30, hey, from month 12 to month 30, I have this way to use the power. And then as that data center starts ramping up, I can ramp down and then I can pick up this modular system and go move it to the next one. Because a modular system, if designed and put in the facility correctly, you can pick it up, put it on an 18 wheeler and ship it down the road and put it to the next place. And thinking along those ways really started opening people's minds to like a hyperscaler looks at it as like, oh, hey, you've kind of really solved my problem. Oh, you don't need an interconnect, but we'll apply for one. Oh, you don't have to worry about managing the, the debt during this time. We're going to put a system in here that, that generates the revenue. Oh, and by the way, I'm also going to capture the carbon and I'm going to make this clean energy. It's a lot different way to think about it. Yeah, when you're thinking about it, like, are, so are you going to be self-mining? You're going to be hosting for other clients? Like, what is the, the full-scale business model? And then my second question is, when you think about powered shells and some of these new types of data centers, are you adjusting these designs to be more focused on HPC, maybe less resilient, but more efficient? Or, you know, talk to us about those types of things. Now you're thinking about these data centers of the future. No, absolutely. So 1A would be self-mining. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I mean, the, the, because one, a the self money does a couple things that you know if you have a hosting contract with somebody and you're like, yep, man, I'm shutting this, it's, it's off, we're moving it, you know, they will have a conniption fit. Um, but also, uh, I, you know, as I always say, like I'm not a Bitcoiner, but I believe in Bitcoin, right? Like I believe, what is it? Is, is it still ripping today? Is it is it still just running wild? Yeah, fifty two, yeah. something like yeah, that. That's yeah. what I'm saying is like I'm a big believer in you know. Like every time that I would talk to somebody about, oh, I'm going to put this thing in the middle of this Bitcoin. Oh, it's going to zero. I'm like, look, man, it is not going to zero. If it goes to zero, there, there's a lot of people that have a lot of money in it that's, that are in institutionals that, that they'll have a breakdown. But I believe in the product. And so I believe in it so much, I would do it as a self-miner. And thinking about the PowerShell, um, ultimately, you know, when you, when you build for hyperscalers, you, you, build a product and you sell it to them. You sell them the product. The difference is I'm going to own the power. I'm never selling the power. I'm going to, I'm going to big, you know, a rep option, rep option license, own the power for long-term PPAs and go do it over and over and over again. It's real simple. I've, I've lined up all the pieces, parts. I've lined up the generation. I've lined up the carbon capture. I've lined up the teams, the EPC contractors, I've lined up, you know, all the parts in the puzzle and, and because all it is, is a system and it's just a system to execute on. So it's, 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 it's the way to do it. You want to buy. 
And for Cool Lake, both on the mining side and on these, you know, data center sides, are you, are you going to be using air, immersion, hydro? Where's your head at on, you know, the future of your technology stack for your new company? So definitely the Bitcoin mining will be immersion. Um, you know, I, I recently made a post um, about an Intelliflex model that they sent to my house, right? So the Intelliflex guys, um, I really like their system. I like how well they've put it together. I like the automation in it. Um, they've even gone as far as to build a tier three. Um, they've designed a tier three AI mobile version because I ultimately, um, that's the field that I want to move into. Um, exponentially, there isn't enough power to ever service it in the near future. The, the numbers that they're talking, you know, as I've been on the phone with, you know, every major, you know, and I've heard them tell me <laughs> whatever power you think it's wrong. We're working on technology that is three times more power demand and it's coming. And, you know, then, then you see, then you see, you know, open AI say, I need $7 trillion so I can build a chip plant, right? Like $7 trillion, right? You start thinking about $7 trillion and you're like, I need more power, right? And there's not enough power to go around. So um, definitely on the, but on the data center side, those power shells, that's specific to the, you know, like the, the big five, the Microsoft and the Googles and, and those guys of the world have their own design. You know, there's, you don't have a lot to do with that. You just build a spec building and you hand it off to them. I'm most concerned from generation transformation into the building and then leaving it off for them. Um, and there's a bunch of other little components to that. There's a lot of, um, you know, tax credit related components by building things that are more efficiently using, um, you know, fuel cells, that are both, you know, you get the 30% and the 10% tax credit if you use built in the US and then building them so that you can get hydrogen off of them, hydrogen, so you can turn the hydrogen back into generation, the generation. And so there's $3 kilowatt, like there's all kinds of things that, you know, that I learned in the Bitcoin industry. You know, I learned it in the Bitcoin industry. I learned about selling power. I learned about tax credits. I learned about leveraging things that I would always call unrecognized revenue and applied all that same thinking here to, to take all the parts and say, here's the stream on how you put this together. And it really is, I mean, it's, there's, the industry is so similar, um, but I hate to say it, you, you can get banking. <laughs> you, you, you can get banking <laughs> and, and not in the Bitcoin industry, you can get banking. <laughs> Right. No, for sure. And I mean, you talked a lot about like innovation and, and things like that. W where do you see the lack of innovation in the mining space? Like, you know, you've been in it for a long time, built a lot of air, a lot of immersion. Where are people slacking where, you know, things could be happening better? Well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to give props to you for a second. You, you have spent a lot of time. You have spent a lot of time working on efficiency and uptime. Right. And, and, and we haven't talked extensively about it, but I know that you're, you know, constantly tweaking programs and software and, you know, training team members and all those things. You, you have to be because your efficiency ratings are so high. And, and when you think about that and you think about, you know, a, a clean spark against a, a, a iris energy, right? So like the, there's a good example, like both of them, you know, you're both, I think you're, you're all are close in hash rate or riot. I think you're close in hash rate with riot as well. Or I know you, I think you cracked over, you're at 14 now. Right. And so as you're, as you're pushing the envelope and you're, you're moving yourself, you know, closer and closer to the top of the field, 
um, what's happening is, is that you're doing it because you're working on efficiency. And I think, I think in the Bitcoin industry, I think today, you know, I think today now you actually have to run a business. You actually have to run a business. It has to be profitable. It has to, it's no longer like, oh, hey, Bitcoin's going to go to 100 grand and it's going to go 100 grand and we're going to have all this Bitcoin and, and we're going to make our money. I think today it's completely different because you saw right after when the ETFs pulled up, you saw cash move from public miners out of it and they were just buying, like, like it's the first time they could just consumer, doesn't matter if it's institutional or, or retail, but the end user consumer does buy Bitcoin. Right. And they're like, oh, hey, I can just move that money out and I can buy Bitcoin now. Right. So I get to hold it. Right. It made it easier for them. And so now you have to run a business that's based on profitability. And and I think the other the other thing that that I that I think the industry needs to do, and and I was I was real vocal about super transparency. I was real transparent, like what you see is what you get. And and I've noticed. And there's a lot of people that that segued off that, right? Like they used it to their advantage. They started doing it. And then that's really neat to see. And I think that I think that if you start seeing the return of like reality, right? Like, hey, I think you gotta pull back the curtains and open up the doors and bring people back in and show them the nuts and bolts about how your business works. And I think that, you know, I think that it it's about all the parts of the puzzle. And I think that that CEOs and and VPs and and whatever other titles they have need to go back into the businesses where the people are and interact with them so that there is a a true you know a true culture of a business. Like that's that's the one thing that always drove me crazy about about a business is that people you know you build a culture. And the culture is based on, you know, doing what's right. And I know that's a weird way to say it, right? Doing what's right. And, and I think that doing what's right is the real thing is like doing what's best for the overall health of the company as like profitability. And then making sure that the people that work there are, are paid well enough and have the right benefits and all those components so that they feel like the work that they're doing is valuable because then A, you're going to have a more profitable business. And then enabling those people or giving them the tools to help work on the efficiency of the business. And I just don't see everyone doing that. You know, I know, um, I know there, I know there's been lots of people that are working on it. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that I see standing on the outside for the last year, looking in, reading the press releases, knowing what's the truth and what's not having people call me and say, you know, telling me what's going on inside of the business that they're working in. And saying, asking me for advice and saying, hey, here's the things I would do. Um, listening, listening to it, I think it's at an inflection point of building a profitable business that's transparent, that uses the latest tools and efficiencies and allowing the people to actually grow it, not just grow it and having leadership be smart enough to know that Joe or Jill that are working in their facility might actually have a better idea than they do. And they should be out there and they should be engaged with them. And all the, 
all the leadership all the way down should be walking those hallways and interacting and standing and listening because some of the smartest ideas in this world come from somebody that has a hammer in their hand that shows them, Hey, you know, if we do this instead of that, here's the results. And I think that's, I think that's where this industry now is at the point where it needs to change again. No. Yeah. I, I got to say one of the things I really like about clean spark is our culture, right? You know, our CEO Zach talks a lot about the word grit, which I think represents, you know, our company a lot. Another thing that really, you know, kind of coincides with what you said is that we're an operations focused business first, right? So our operation teams are our mining team, which consists of our ops and our technology team are always, you know, we're all working for those guys. We're all working for operators in the field, make their lives easier, make the technology stack better keep that culture, but that grit thing of really fighting through when things are down or learning to fix things when they're broken, right? Really ties the company together. So I can't echo those, those words enough, but, uh, Mark, I'm going to hand it over to you to ask, you know, our, our most intimate question of the podcast. Yeah. I, I, I just want to say something. Cause it, it, uh, what you just said made me think I, I was watching a, an interview that, that Bezos had, and he was talking about whenever he's in a meeting, he makes sure that the most junior person speaks and they work their way up that way. You know, if Bezos was to say something and you have an idea that doesn't agree with him, you know, you, you still say it because the smallest guy in the company might have a great idea. Um, and this kind of leads into a question we've been asking all of our viewers and you know, take this as you wish. Uh, what personal or professional lessons um, have you learned from you know, the cryptocurrency mining experience or just industry in general that you would like to share? <laughs> we've heard very wide range of answers. So however you'd like to take that. You know, it, it, it's that's that's a really really good that's a really good question because um, I I often I often said like what I what I one what I learned is um, I I left Riot at the right time for me personally I didn't know it at the time right I didn't know it at the time but I left like m- me leaving Riot because we we didn't have the same set of views anymore same core values whatever word you want to say um you know we 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 left shaking hands and just me leaving right like and that's all part of it i understand today and it was a friend of mine that i actually had to fire it's a friend of mine that I actually had to fire that I had to call and ask for something and he was like hey i want to let you know you left at the right time you were no, you were, you weren't that's not a place for you anymore like that's a place that is, you know, a place that's built on systems and procedures and, and, and that's not who you are. And so the biggest thing that I learned from working in this industry is, is having being smart enough to know that if you're, if you're really good at what you do and, and each one of us has a different skill set, if you're really good at what you're, what you do, you can move into another industry and apply the, that skill set and all the tools and resources that you used and learned and, and be successful in it. And I think that's the, that's the big thing that my big takeaway. And the other thing is, is like, take money over anything. Take, if somebody offered you, I will give you equity in my business or I will pay you cash, take the cash, right? Like take, and I know that's a, that's a funny thing to say. And I've, and I've told Taylor this personally, I was like, take the cash, whatever it is, take the cash. Right. And it's, it's kind of a joke with me is because, uh, I was doing some consulting for a company and the guy's like, Oh, I'll give you equity. And I was like, yeah, I don't want your equity. And he's like, yeah, but it could be worth. And I was like, no, 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 no. You're going to pay me X dollars. 
We're going to shake hands. And if you want to give me that equity because I did a great job, awesome. But you're not going to make that part of my my bonus or my income or any anything that I do for you. I'm going to do a really good job. I'm going to do as you asked. If you want to give me something extra that are, has no strings attached to it, I'm happy to take it, but I don't want it. In 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 closing that thought out, working in the Bitcoin mining industry um, gave me the greatest opportunity to test my skill set in a very immature industry. So I, I very similar to the, what you just said about Bezos, right? I was able to go in and say, hey, here's these things I know how to do. I can apply them in this industry and I can, I can succeed at a rapid rate because other people aren't applying these things. Other people aren't shooting videos from their cell phone and uploading them in minutes every single day, showing like the nuts and bolts are really what happens because prior to that, everybody was like, don't let anybody in. We can't let them know what we're up to. Like we're, you know, it's like almost like, you know, an under, like a black hat hacker back in the day, you know? And so that's, that's probably what I learned most. And I'm, I'm extremely grateful for it. Uh, A question that I had, I I just don't know the answer. I always want to know, did you give yourself the Giga Chad name or did someone else coin it? (laughs) It's interesting. That's, (laughs) You know, it, it, it comes down to, uh, you know, in all those videos and pictures I uploaded on a daily basis, I uploaded something where I had, I'd made a video and I was talking about the 700 and, you know, 700 plus megawatt substation. And somebody commented, oh yeah, you're a mega, you'll never be a giga. And I swear to God, I swear, I picked up the phone, I called John Bick from Priority Powers, like, find me a one gigawatt interconnect. And that's how Corsicana was born. And I mean, therefore, where Chad came. That's where Giga Chad came. And that's the whole video where I I pulled my name off the hat and I was like, you know, I'm leaving. And then I show up in Corsicana the next day and I put the Giga Chad hat on. And that's that's how it works. And so it's funny because, you know, uh, when when you think about that, I've decided that I want to 10x that Giga. So that's what I'm up to now. So is is that the goal? 10x the the one gigawatt substation? 10x. I'm going to do it too. There is no doubt in my mind I'm going to do it. There is no, no I, doubt I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind that you'll end up doing it. You just need a time machine. You're already there. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, no, no. I started from zero on, on the first. I started from zero, right? Like my even I even changed my my TikTok to just Chad, right? Just as like a, just a reminder to myself, just Chad, just Chad. Uh, Well, that's an amazing story. You know, we're coming up on a little bit over an hour here. We want to say thank you. Greatly appreciate your time. We're really excited to see what you're going to do in the future and appreciate all the work you've put into the mining industry. And uh, yeah, no, it's just a really good conversation, really good story to highlight. And I want to hand it off to you. Just any last words before we close out here? Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. You know, Taylor, like, you know, it's, it's great to watch like, and I've, and I've told you this, it's great to watch the next wave of businesses grow. It's really, really neat. You know, it's like, you know, 
I'm really proud of, you know, my friend Adam Sullivan and what he's done with core. Like I know, I know how hard it was. Like, you know, he and I spent a lot of time together, um, during my riot days and, and, you know, I've gotten to know you pretty well over the last, you know, couple of years. And I've liked, I like seeing the evolution and change and, and, and of these businesses. And, and I'm really excited to see what comes in the future. And I, I can promise you this. Uh, don't, don't think that I don't have a gigawatt. Don't think that I don't have a gigawatt Bitcoin customer. Don't, don't think for one second, I don't have a gigawatt Bitcoin customer because giga Chad, there's a reason why that giga is not going away and I'm going to 10 exit. But don't you think for one second that I don't have a gigawatt customer. You just might learn about it soon here. Right. Yeah, just- no, absolutely. Yeah. Big, big shout out to Adam pulling core out of bankruptcy, hitting Russell, the whole team over there. It's, you know, I think it's good for the industry to have them back, you know, be one of the, the big titans, right? I don't, I, I understand that they're a competitor to Clean Spark, but in that mention, I think it's good for them to come back. They're just such a baseline of the whole crypto industry through that first boom and everything like that. So, no, it's good. We don't doubt you at all, Chad. We look forward to the whole gigawatt. Look forward to seeing you at some conferences and everything this year. And, you know, thanks a lot for coming on. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details.